In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant. I'm joined as always by JB on the heels of a 32-19 Argos loss at the hands of the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Labor Day, which unfortunately is nothing new for the boatmen as of late. JB, initial reactions for the game? Um, well, I, I, I thought it was going to be an uphill battle for them, and it was. Um, I thought they played a, a good first half, and in the second half, Hamilton looked like the better team and they kind of put it to the Argos a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I, I wasn't disheartening. You know, I, I think that Hamilton looked like a really well-coached, um, successful team. And the Argos looked like they still were trying to figure some things out. And I think that's where these two teams are. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't look at this like it's disappointing. The losses, any loss is disappointing. But like you, I, I'm not discouraged at all by it. I, I think a few plays go different ways. This is a very different result. Some things that you can take away from this, and I, I know it felt like a blowout at times, and it was, you know, it was, it was like, it was a pretty big blowout at one point in the fourth quarter before the Argos came, came firing back to make it, uh, kind of make it a ball game. But if you look at the numbers strictly, so the Argos with 359 yards of total offense, Hamilton with 332 yards of total offense, both offenses producing two touchdowns each. The offensive production for both teams was very similar. Where the game turned was on some of those intangibles, a punt return touchdown, an interception return touchdown. And both of these teams are teams that seem to be far better playing with the lead. There are a lot of teams in the CFL like that right now, actually, because Winnipeg is another one of those teams. You saw how different Winnipeg looked in those back-to-back weeks. One week when they've got the lead and they look unbeatable, and then the next week when they fall behind early and they they couldn't do anything. And it was a little bit of, of that story. And I think with Nick Arbuckle, especially at quarterback, and with the strength of the Argos running game, this is an Argos team that needs to either be close or out in front. Otherwise, the wheels can fall off. And we sort of saw that that happen today. Yeah, the, the, you know, uh, I agree. I think once again, you have to be leading at the end of the first. You have to be leading at the half. It, it, it is something that I harp on. Uh, it needs to be a priority. You, you need to get the early scores. You can't, you know, kind of feel your way through a game and then steal it in the fourth, it, you know, the statistics just don't prove that out. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping for Friday for, for a much quicker start. It's a quick turnaround with the teams playing again at BMO on Friday. But I think the good thing about that, and just coming out of the press conferences, every player that I spoke to was excited about Friday's game because they you hate sitting on a loss like this like imagine imagine this loss going into like this two-week rest that we're just coming out of it would have been horrendous and so for them for the players it's great they're they're frustrated they're angry they can't wait to suit up against Hamilton again and they get a chance to do that and it doesn't happen a lot like that a few days from now you know we're talking just well it's already Monday so Friday we're only talking a few days time from now they get to suit up again and make things right in their mind so yeah every single player I spoke to coach Dinwiddie as well 
Um, you know, I think any coach enjoys the fact that there's a little less prep, you know, exactly what you're doing. So you can kind of focus on on correction and those little kind of micro adjustments, uh, little wrinkles that will be thrown into Friday's game where they can try and take advantage of, of stuff that's going to be studied up from today. The, the other thing I want to throw in and not to make excuses for the Argonauts because they they Hamilton deserved to win today. The Argos deserved to lose today. I don't think there's any question about that. But remember, there are ongoing injury issues. There were a ton of issues this week related to COVID protocols and lack of practice. During the game today, Kresden Butler was replaced by a first-year rookie in Josh Haggerty at, at free safety. And, you know, with all of these things that have gone on with uh, Blake and Bladeck not being able to practice all week, not only does that hurt them, it hurts Peter Nicastro too, because all week he was out of position. He played center all week. And then, you know, he did play a little bit of center today when, when Philip Blake got hurt. But for the most part, uh, he was lined up at, at guard, as he has been most of the year. But he's a young player and a player that needs reps. He needs those practice reps. And that week off really hurt him. This was not a good game for Peter Nicastro today at guard. He got beat a number of times. And I can't help but think this is in part due to the fact that he wasn't able to get any snaps at guard throughout the week. So you add all those things together. They were short Ricky Collins Jr. Obviously Hamilton got a couple guys back and you know, that's, that's what happened. That's how the game went down. I agree. I'm not, I'm not making excuses either, but you can see when you watch Hamilton, what a big difference it makes to get key guys back. You know, you look at the Hamilton that, that got blown out the first two games and the Hamilton that's now firing in all cylinders you know, as they plug injured guys back into that lineup, it, it affects the whole team. Um, football teams are always, um, you know, uh, they like to have repetition. They like to have schedules. They are sort of creatures of, uh, of, of uh, you know, of wanting things to be the same. And this weird kind of bye week that was thrown at them, absolutely turned them upside down. I mean, it, it just changes the rhythm of the week. Um, losing those guys changes who's playing in different positions. It, you can't underestimate how that can screw up the rhythm of a team. It is like, you know, uh, you know, uh, an orchestra, you know, that it, it, it isn't just you go out there and play the game. There has, you have to build to the game over the course of the week and you get into a rhythm of how you build to a game and that was turned totally upside down. And I think that that factored in to this loss. And let's not forget about all the pieces that we've been missing for a while now that we kind of even forget about. Because I got a lot of messages throughout the game with people asking where the pass rush was. How come they're not getting more pressure on this Hamilton O-line that has been suspect throughout the first three games of the season. But remember, Shane Ray is not there. Coney Ely is not there. Drake Nevis is not there. Kadera Law is not there. Those four guys, if you put them together on a defensive line, are one of the best defensive lines in the league. They're all gone. And so Coach Young had to adjust. He's largely been playing with a three-man line for the last few games. And he's been asking different things of them. He's not asking those three down linemen to go in there and get sacks. He's asking them to close the pocket 
while the linebackers do their work, while the linebackers first stop the run. And then on occasions where they do send blitzes, he's looking for them to get home. Now, they weren't able to get home today, but that was some really good play from Dane Evans. I thought he did a really nice job in, in the first half, especially that that long drive that they strung together. Toronto blitzed four times in that in that drive. And each time, not only was it picked up, but Evans knew right away where the pressure was coming from and therefore where the ball should go. Let's go through a brief summary of the game and kind of uh, you know wrap up where the scoring came from and maybe some of those those key moments in the game. So it started off, like I said, with that long Hamilton drive. I thought that was a pretty good win for the Toronto defense, though, resulting just in a field goal. So it was three nothing, and that was the only scoring in the first quarter. There was, to my mind, a huge momentum swing in the second quarter, and it's not. I don't think part of the game that really got a lot of attention, but I think this was a game-changing moment. So let me set the scene for you. Toronto has the ball on the Hamilton 13-yard line. It's second down and four. So they're, you know, they're they're knocking on the door. John White gets a run call and uh, gets three yards. So we're now looking at what should be a third and one. Uh, actually a little less than third and one. So Toronto probably goes for that, probably converts, is now first and goal. And now we're thinking touchdown. But right at the end of the play, Darius Bladek was called for a the first of what would end up being four unnecessary roughness penalties in that first half. But this one I have an issue with because this one isn't on Bladek and it completely changed the game. So what happened on that play? Bladek is blocking downfield. The the play itself, there was no mystery to it. John White got the handoff, got three yards, was cleanly tackled. The referees were very late to blow the whistle. That often happens in football when it's an obvious tackle and there's, you know, obviously nothing, no one's still pursuing the ball carrier. Everyone knows he's down. The whistle came in very late. Bladek shoves his guy into the ground. It is after the play. There's no question it, it is a late hit technically, but Bladek isn't looking behind him. He's blocking downfield ahead of him. He makes that shove as the whistle went, and I went back to watch that at the end of the game because it was one of those that stuck with me because I, I knew when I saw it live that the whistle came late and he didn't know and he gestured around like, what are you talking about, late hit? And that's why. So uh, watch the game again, watch that play again, and that's exactly what happened. He pushes him late because he doesn't know the play is over. So he ends up being penalized and now instead of it being you know, third and half a yard, instead now it's it's third and 15 and so Boris Beattie comes out to kick a field goal to tie it at three. You know, had that gone differently, maybe it's a 7-3 game. Maybe everything changes because, it, it you know, these things do build. And unfortunately, after that, the Argos couldn't get out of their, their own way, really, for the rest of the, the first half. As action continued on, the Tiger Cats ended up uh, breaking it open uh, with a touchdown pass to Ungerer, uh, Dane Evans. I, I think that was on, a, it was like a second and long play, second and 15. Uh, they... We're at the Toronto 23 yard line and uh, Unger just, you know, makes a makes a nice catch, makes a nice move, gets into the end zone. It was just a, a deflating moment because we'd been coming out of some really stellar defensive play. And it felt like the Argos were going to be playing that bend but don't break defense all day long. And suddenly they they let up a touchdown. Uh, Boris Beattie has a single and we're into the half 10-4, but it's a game at that point. It's 10-4. It's a game you feel like, uh, you know, Toronto's going to come out, make some adjustments. JB at the half, 
were you feeling like we were on the wrong end of things or were you like me thinking this is just an adjustment or two away from from being right back in this? Yeah, I, I felt Hamilton was the better team in the first half. Um, I thought that 10-4 was probably a little generous for the Argos. Um, so it, it, it didn't surprise me that Hamilton came out stronger in the second half. I didn't, I didn't feel offensively we were dialed in or ready for the level that the Hamilton secondary was bringing. And certainly after that opening drive, I would agree with you. But like that, or sorry, it was the second drive, the drive that resulted in the field goal. That that second drive was was a masterful drive. It started at the Toronto 18, got all the way down to the Hamilton 10. And like I was saying, and, and I agree, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that, that I felt the Argos dominated the first half. They didn't. But I do believe if that drive turns into a touchdown, it's just a very different place psychologically now for, for both teams. Because you're right, they just they disappeared after that. The rest of that first half was it was just all Hamilton, and the Argos couldn't couldn't move the ball. And it didn't help that every two plays the Argos were getting a 15 yard major called against them. So that really wasn't ideal either. So the third quarter starts, and uh, unfortunately, the Argos uh, end up in a situation that you can never find yourself in in a tight game like this, especially if you're playing against someone who's playing really well like Hamilton. You can't give up special team scores. Boris Beattie with a booming punt out of his own end. He was punting from his own 14-yard line, punts at 53 yards, but Williams took it to the house 67 yards right down the middle. That was a crusher because it just... To me, I, I hate punt returns that come right up the gut. Uh, it was He made one man miss, and then he just had clear running. It was really well blocked, but the Toronto coverage team got too wide in the middle there. They didn't stay in their lanes. There was this massive hole for him to run through, and it was really just Beattie left there. He was the only obstacle uh, after Williams made that first man miss. So that was a, that was a crusher. And of course... You know, now Hamilton's up two scores, and it it felt like at that point things were getting out of control. Yeah, that I mean, that was that was a tough play. Um, you know, he, he let himself. You know, the the they, the, the the punt return team too big a gap, and they let they let uh, themselves get sealed inside, and then and then there was nobody there to fill in the seal. Um, but I, I, you know, I I I was sort of frustrated because that's what. I knew it would take to beat Hamilton, and it's why I wish Trey Williams were returning. I, I think if Trey Williams returns that punt that Braverman returns, it's a touchdown. And you can see the difference. I know they're, they're, they get more out of Frankie Williams than just returning, which is nice. But you can see in a game against a team like that, uh, the difference having a game breaker is back there. And, and you know, I, I still believe that we have to find a way to get a game breaker in that return position. Braverman, I think, has excellent vision. I think he's a he's a really good football player. You can see why he was an NFL draft pick. You could see, you know, his his pedigree is is there, but he doesn't have the same top speed that some of these other returners have. And Braverman has had some wonderful returns but there are never any where you're thinking well this is going to go to the house because there just isn't that other gear and it's such a huge boost when you've got someone like that we remember you know what is well i was going to say you know i was going to go back to talk about a few returners the Argos have a long history of uh, outstanding of hall of fame worthy 
punt returners and kickoff returners. And so uh, it just feels weird to not have one out there. And again, I, I don't want to knock Braverman because I think he's, I think he does an excellent job of safely securing the football and taking every yard that he can out of it. I, again, I think his vision is excellent, but I would love to see somebody out there with the, uh, just that extra gear, whether it's Chandler Worthy or, you know, we've been waiting for, for Trey Williams. And I think, I think if they can find a way to get him on the field, I would love to see him out there Friday. And that might be a nice addition because, you know, Hamilton kind of, I think, has a feel for what they're dealing with. They're going to be prepping a certain way. Williams is, is looked great in practice. Maybe this is the time to to maybe find a way to dress him, find a way to get him on the field. I don't know where you... The problem is they've had so many issues with injuries that I don't know which positional group you cut short. They are kind of tied in that regard. But you've got to find a space somewhere uh, where you can where you can get Trey Williams on the field, I think. And, uh, you know, I agree with you completely. That's... He could be a game breaker. Let's see. Let's see what he's. Let's see what he's got back there. Yeah, I, I understand too that it's difficult to find a position for him because he's not really going to do much more than return for you, and you have to eat that. And but but I, I think you have to try for one game, and you know leave yourself um, short somewhere. Um, but. The, the Argos offense is not an offense that is so good that you don't need a return game. All you need is possession. You know, where, you know, if that's your philosophy that, you know, we've got a great offense. We just need the ball not fumbled. That is not the Argos offense. And so I think the Argos offense does need a good return and does need somebody who can, who can uh, score potentially or increase field position. So, I don't think the Argos offense is at a level that you can dismiss returning. Um, so that's where I come down on that. And of course, the third quarter ends with a Dane Evans touchdown pass to Tim White, who had a, a, another solid day, uh, you know, seemingly coming out of, of nowhere uh, this season. But he's, he's had a, a couple of nice games of getting a few catches, but this by far uh, his best day. Uh, he ended the day, I believe, with six catches for 93 yards and a touchdown, uh, which is a solid performance. And that really put the game out of reach. The Argos came flying back as best they could. Nick Arbuckle uh, finally uh, getting the Argos a major in the fourth quarter. He completes a pass to Eric Rogers, who made that that beautiful uh, jump ball reception after dropping one a couple plays earlier. Uh, he ends up going way up on this desperation third down attempt through the uprights. And Rodgers, while being tackled by the face mask, it looked like, uh, came down with the with the ball. And, um, you know, that uh, looked like the Argos were, were back into it. Uh, they just, you know, needed a, another quick score. But unfortunately, they got backed up in their own end. And then Arbuckle was intercepted by Simone Lawrence, who returned it five yards for the touchdown. Bethel Thompson came in late with a, another touchdown pass to Eric Rogers. This one from eight yards out, but it just wasn't. It was the result was uh, in the books really by that point. There were only two minutes left uh, at that stage, so it was more for for pride at that point, which is why McLeod Bethel Thompson was in the game. Uh, talking to Coach Dinwiddie after the game, he was asked about the quarterback situation. It didn't sound like there was any move coming or anything like that. He simply felt the game was out of reach, wanted McLeod to get some snaps, and didn't see the sense of Arbuckle taking any hits back there in a game that was already decided. And so that's why that change was made. It wasn't him 
being disappointed because Arbuckle actually didn't play a bad game, especially in the first half. It, it didn't look as good in the second half, but he's not the kind of quarterback that can come from behind. But through the first half, he's 11 to 15, and his interception was on a ball where his receiver fell down. He was trying to uh, hit an out route to Rodgers. Rodgers got his feet tangled, fell down, and the DB was standing there alone and, and made the pick. But other than that, he had a, a really solid first half he just was on the wrong end of uh, his team getting some penalties and they did take a couple of untimely sacks so you know it, it this isn't a game where I say well Nick Arbuckle you know something needs to change there he is who he is he is a quarterback that's going to be generally high completion percentage but you're not going to get a ton of bombs downfield and it's just not the kind of offense that can come back from a huge deficit unfortunately I, I was not enamored with Arbuckle's day uh, I, I wouldn't put the loss on him. I thought I thought the receivers, you know, dropped some contested balls, which you know, which wasn't great. And obviously, you know, Rogers falling on that out is, uh, you know, unfortunate. But still, you know, that's a mistake that that shouldn't be made. Um, you know, Arbuckle, I I thought made some good plays, but they do have an issue which we've talked about, which is Arbuckle has to be able to push those defenses back. You know, when you have a secondary like Hamilton, they just flat out did not respect his ability to go downfield. And they just kept crushing and crushing and crushing the underneath. And, you know, it's uh, physically hard on the receivers and it makes makes it hard on the running backs when the secondary is coming flying in. If you're having to to do a running play, you run into an army running towards you. Um, It's a it's an issue that. You know, I know the wind exacerbated it, but they have got to find ways to push that down the field because you just can't be successful if teams don't respect your ability to throw beyond 15 yards because they will just, you know, put you inside a box, which is what happened today. I'm going to put that more on Coach Dinwiddie than I am on Nick Arbuckle because I, I think Arbuckle can make deep throws. We've we've seen it before. We saw it in, in Calgary. Like, sure, he did like to take a lot of that short stuff. That was what he preferred. But he opened it up a lot. There were deep throws downfield. And certainly in training camp, through a practice, we've seen him hit deep balls downfield. It's not a lack of ability. It's not his best thing. His best thing is his short range accuracy. There's no question about that. And I think Coach Dinwiddie, he's dealing with a young quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback. He says, well, let's give him as much of his best thing as we can. But I think it's it's to a point now, like you said, it's starting to hurt the offense because it's allowing people to, you know, to basically drop three and just sit back there while everyone else plays up tight. They don't have to send a ton of pressure because they know that the ball is coming up pretty quick. Uh, either through an RPO or through just a you know an immediate read, which is what Arbuckle does well. But there's just so much less space for it. And like we saw today, you end up with these contested catches. There's not a lot of open space because you've got eight defenders that are basically in this, this 15-yard box. Uh, and that's all they really are being asked to defend. Now, they opened things up a little bit in the second half, but by then, Hamilton had changed their game plan because now they're up by a couple of touchdowns, so they're sitting back in this umbrella, and now you can't hit anything deep downfield because the coverage dictates that you need to go underneath, you need to go short, and the Argos just didn't have the time to to dink and dunk their way down the field. So I I, I agree with you on Nick Arbuckle a little bit, but I actually think he, he did what was asked of him for the most part today. I think he was let down a little bit by the play calling, and and the uh, the design the scheme for today 
And I think he was let down a little bit by his receivers who have got to make those contested catches. They just have to. They're receivers that do, that excel at that. These are guys that generally play very well when there's a body on them. And they didn't do that today. There were just way too many drops. So that, uh, you know, that concluded the game. It was, it was 32-19. I guess that score looks a little closer than it was. It, it feels it feels like how I thought it would go um, in that I thought that they would probably score a special teams touchdown against us. I thought that they would probably score a pick six against us. Um, you know, if you take away, you know, the, the, the pick six and the special teams touchdown, you know, of course, you know, it, it, <laughs> easy to say. But I mean, you know, if you do then it's a different game. And then I think that, and even, even the long touchdown on Haggerty, you know, is a bust. Um, so it, it wasn't a question of them being able to move the ball at will on Toronto. You know, defensively, I thought we held up really well. You basically had these three or four turning point plays where they were able to score touchdowns. Um, so from that perspective, you know, I think that the, the coaching staff will be, um, you know, I think relatively upbeat about making changes because it wasn't like they got pushed off the field. It, it felt more like the Winnipeg loss. Yeah, it did actually. And that long touchdown that you're talking about, that it was one of those things where I'd like to go back and see the film on that one too, but it looked like what was happening was Haggerty was supposed to be playing center field. He was supposed to be uh, dropping back deep. And what happened is he kind of got drawn in from a, a crossing route underneath and then they went over his head. And it looked like there were actually two guys. It looked like there was a corner route and a post route and they were designed to sort of split the free. But instead, he actually came up on, on this <laughs> on this crossing route. Both guys were running free. So he could have, Evans could have gone anywhere. But that's, you know, but Josh Haggerty, you know, he was a guy that I thought was actually going to return to school for a year. He was, right. uh, you know, a late draft pick. He's been awesome. You know, he's exceeded every expectation. Everyone thought, you know, that was one of the one of the reasons I, I believe I remember hearing uh, someone say around draft time. One of the reasons the Argos were excited about taking him is they thought, um, you know, he he had talked about the uh, ability to go back to school for a year to get, a, you know, get a little bigger, get a little faster, get a little better and then be ready to play. But he exceeded all expectations in camp. He passed everyone else. And they're like, we, we got to put this guy in the field. Not only that, he's now dressed. And then Cresden Butler goes down and, and he's in the game. And so, you know, you can't, you can't blame Josh Haggerty on a play like that, you know, getting his first action here. I thought he played well. I mean, I can blame him. Well, you can't. That's what happened. It is his fault. But, but, you know, but, but I agree with you. Look, he, he, if you lose your starting free safety, like that's a problem. I don't expect the Argos to then suddenly have you know somebody who's great to come off the bench you know i mean that's why they have a depth chart like the guy who comes on after is going to be less experienced not as good at playing free safety so i i don't i don't begrudge in his mistake i think that he was put in a very difficult position to suddenly be playing free safety so that's you know that's just a tough break for the argos in terms of an injury hopefully it's not it's not a significant one yeah, I know. We'll have to we'll have to see how, what that turns into. And I, you know, injuries are always worse with a short turnaround, with only being a few days until the next game. Uh, you wonder what it's going to be like because it was a pretty physical game. It wasn't just the chippiness and the the flags that we saw. It, there were some really hard hits in this game, and you know, we'll we'll see what what practice looks like over the next few days. But I I think there's. 
think there are going to be a lot of players banged up for both teams. So we'll we'll see what this rematch looks like on Friday. Let's move on to offensive and defensive players of the game for the Argos. Uh, wh- where are you going for offensive player of the game for the Argos? Uh, for me, uh, for me, the offensive player is Gittins Jr. I thought he played great. I thought he had some, you know, he had he had a great deep catch. He ran the Ricky Collins play. Um, I thought he looked fantastic. I, I thought he was of uh, the, the the bright spot on the offense. I mean, if he can be a weapon moving forward, I, I think that's a great discovery. Yeah, Gins Jr. six catches for eighty eight yards, and, and he hauled in that deep ball too, which is you know something I was really happy to see yeah, that forty five yarder. So and and he ran that that jailbreak screen like you said. I, I was I was expecting to see more uh, Dejan Brissett today, but with Giddens Jr. playing so well, uh, they just decided you know let's let let's run with him and uh, you know Giddens Jr. deserved every snap that he got. Ended up with eight targets as well. So you know you you have to be really pleased with how he looked. He had an amazing camp. It was sort of he and. Uh, Levi Noel that dominated camp from the receiver's perspective. And so it was really nice to see him actually follow that up today when he was given some real time uh, to produce like that. So, yeah, that was good. Uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go with DJ Foster for my offensive player of the game. He didn't have the same highlights that Gittins Jr. had, but he was constantly there to bail the Argos out of trouble. So he ended up with only three carries, but 14 yards on those three carries. He was, however, there for five receptions, and he was a great outlet. Every time Arbuckle was under pressure, every time uh, an offensive lineman got beat or there was a miscommunication on the offensive line, Arbuckle knew where Foster was, was able to get it to him. He made some really tough catches in traffic and kept a bunch of drives alive with those five catches for 38 yards. Not a huge performance, but without him, some of those, there would have been a lot more two and outs, let's say. So yeah, I think those two players, I think that's fair to have them both as offensive players of the game. I love to see Foster get more touches next game. Yeah, I would too. You could see that burst of speed that he has the Hamilton defense wasn't ready for. There were a couple of occasions where people just had the wrong angle on him and he was able to get outside and turn what looked like a three or four yard loss into a five or six yard gain. And he's just able to turn on those those afterburners and, and get past the defender. So yeah, I would like to see him. I hope he's a bigger part of Friday's game plan than he was today. Not that he wasn't involved. He got a ton of touches, but I'd like to see him with carries. I want to I want to see him out of the backfield. And they didn't use him in that sort of uh, two-back package as much as I thought they would today as well with some misdirection between he and White. Uh, and that was something I was looking for that uh, that we didn't get. So maybe we'll see that on Friday. In terms of your defensive player of the game, this was a tough one because the, the defense played well, but there weren't necessarily a ton of standouts. Where did you go here? Yeah, I, uh, I, a couple. I, mean, I sort of had two that bounced back and forth. One, um, Deku's um, massive hit in the end zone on Banks um, to knock away the touchdown could have been had they not just scored on the next play uh, a game-changing play. I think to some extent its impact lessened in my mind because then they went ahead and scored on the next play. Um, For me, I think the best player on the Argos defense is Chris Edwards. I thought that he... It's interesting that you say that. I thought that his his pass rush um, helped stop the the Ticats' original drive and held them to a field goal. He had a sack. I, I just think he flashes all the time. I think that he is great in coverage. 
I think that he's got a great nose for the quarterback. Um, I, I really, I think, I think the world of him. I think that he's absolutely um, the, the the best player on the defense. That's interesting. And it's a defense with a, a lot of stars on it. But it's hard to argue with that. Chris Edwards, not only does he do those things, when you need a big play, when you need that moment where, okay, well, the defense needs to step up and do something here, it's Chris Edwards who delivers. And it doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet that way. You know, he's not a guy that's going to end up with eight, nine, ten tackles a game. But yeah, he did collect a sack today. He had three tackles and he was all over the field. He also managed to be a guy that was in people's faces without drawing penalties for being in their faces for the most part. Uh, you know, he uh, he was a, a nuisance for Hamilton. And they even stuck him back there for a punt return, which is exciting to see. You don't usually expect to see linebackers back there returning puns, but he did that in college. He's got some experience with it. He did it really well in college too. So I was excited to see that. I thought that might turn into something. It didn't. And so that's why we're still you know, pounding the table for uh, for Trey Williams back there. But yeah, Chris Edwards, I, I can't argue with that. I'm going to go with Enoch Mwamba. I thought without being flashy, he did everything that was asked of him today and delivered a very solid performance as a middle linebacker. Seven tackles. He was all over the field. And he really helped take away, without too much help, helped limit that run game. I shouldn't say take away entirely because, you know, they Hamilton was able to run the ball, but it's not like they ran all over the Argonauts. Most of their long runs were to the outside. They had a lot of trouble running up the middle. There were only, I believe, two runs up the middle that went anywhere, and the rest were from receivers. Uh, you saw um, receivers coming around the end, Banks with a couple. I think Tim White had one as well. And then Evans had to scramble a few times too. But that's where most of their rushing yards came from. Uh, you look at... at uh, at Sean Thomas Erlington, uh, he only ended with 26 yards on the day. So... I'm going to give my defensive player to Enoch Mwamba. Sorry, I was just going to jump in there. I, I, I love that pick. I think he's he's a guy who, who he, you, you know, he doesn't get any sacks. He's not going to get a lot of highlights, but he, he's absolutely um, the backbone of, of the defense. You know, he's I couldn't be happier with what he has brought to the Argos. This defense in general is really exciting to watch. And you forget uh, with a score like 32 points, you, you know, you're, people tend to want to say, you know, what's wrong with the defense? But like I said off the top, the defense isn't the reason the Argos lost the game today. The defense played great against a very good football team. And it's just, you know, one of those things that happened where the offense couldn't deliver, special teams couldn't deliver, and and that was the result. But the defense has so many guys on this unit. Like you talk about Chris Edwards, Tristan Deku, who wasn't even, you know, he wasn't even in the plans. Uh, Jamal Peters, another guy that wasn't really in the plans. Those two guys were... The coming to the year, they were going to be backups. And suddenly they're out there playing full time. Chris Edwards was a guy too with Dexter McCoyle and Cam Judge and Enoch Mwamba. We were like, well, is, is, is he going to end up on the field? And, and like you say, he may be, may be the best player on the defense. So there's this just so easy to, to cheer for so many of these guys, but just feels more like it when the final score doesn't have a three in front of it for the other team. But that wasn't really the case. All right, let's talk about best play and worst play. What was your best play of the day? Uh, when they were able to hold Hamilton to a field goal on their opening drive. I think that it's very easy for a defense to get disheartened or worn down on a long drive. Um, I was really impressed that they never gave up on that drive. They didn't just roll over and seed the touchdown. I know they ended up losing the game, but from a defensive point of view, you know, 
they didn't give up more than two touchdowns. So I thought, I thought that that was, I thought that was really um, a, a great sign of a defense to not just kind of roll over. For best play of the day, I'm going to that bomb to Curly Gittens Jr. because it was what I wanted to see. That's what I wanted to see all game. I wanted to see them take deep shots. I don't even care if they connect. Sometimes all you need is just the threat of a deep ball, of a, of a, a really deep pass. I'm not just talking about a pass that turns into a long run with a lot of yards after the catch. This was a ball that was caught 42 yards downfield by Curly Gittens Jr. Those are the plays that Toronto needs in order to back the defense up, like you talked about earlier, so that they can't crowd in that 15-yard window and, and jam up all those RPOs and short passes. I want to see more of that next game. It was a it was a really nice pass from Arbuckle. It was a great catch, great route from Gittens Jr. And it's not like Hamilton wasn't looking for that. This is in the fourth quarter where they're 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 protecting deep and they were still able to make that play. To me, that was that's the answer. That's more of what I want to, you know, I want to see more of that next week and going forward down the road. It just can't be those short passes. So for me, that's the best play of the day because it's it's exactly uh, what I want to see um, next week, or I guess this week, Friday. And what about worst play of the day? There are a few more to choose from in this category, JB. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't want to bag on Haggerty. I mean, I think that that blown deep coverage uh, was a killer. I think that was the killer moment of the game. That was the moment that Hamilton knew they were going to win the game. Um, that's a tough one to give up. Yeah, there was a real wind out of the sails kind of feeling to that. I think it was a 57-yard bomb. And uh, yeah, uh, everything just went flat after that. Uh, yeah, it's hard to argue that. I'm going to go a little earlier in the game with that punt return because it's it's an area that the Argos just, they just have to be neutral to me in in special teams. And this is a, this is a game. It's, it's certainly closer. And you just can't at that stage, 10-3, you get the ball to start the half. There's, you know, you've got some uh, changes that you made at halftime. You're ready to get out there and tie the game up. And instead, uh, we end up conceding this, uh, I think it was a 67-yard part return. So to me, that was, I see that that's the window to your sales that you're talking about on that on that deep ball is the same thing that I felt on that part return. It just, it felt like it wasn't meant to be after that. Let's talk about areas to improve. Uh, not a lot of time. What do you do over these next like three days of prep? What are your areas to improve, JB? Uh, defensively, you have got to work at getting more pressure on Evans. Uh, I know you've got, you know, secondary guys in there, but you know you're just gonna have to dial up things a little more exotic. Um, there were a, a, a number of his big plays. He had way too much time. And you just you, you just can't let a quarterback stand back there for five seconds. So I want to I want to see you know more exotic blitz packages because you're going to have to. Um, your guys aren't good enough to get there on their own. So you're going to have to risk some other things um, to to try and scheme up more pressure. So I, I, defensively, m- more pressure has to come. And it's basically what we want to see is what Hamilton did today. I thought they did a great job of disguising where their pressure was coming from. On that interception, for example, Arbuckle talked about that after the game. He said it was one of those things where it wasn't it wasn't missed assignments. It was calling the perfect play at the perfect time, 
where it freed up a rusher because of uh, the pass protection that they had called out pre-snap. It freed up a rusher. You had two guys coming around the side. Only John White was left there to take both of them on. <laughs> and so in that <laughs> he, case, Arbuckle was looking. And he picked the inside guy. I mean, I can't, I can't fault him. Yeah, well, he, he kind of got stuck because like the rule there is you go inside out and he started to go inside, but then the outside guy was suddenly coming with a lot more gas. He's like, oh, <laughs> what do I, I got to try and take both now. And you just yeah. it, it's too much for anybody, let alone a running back, to try and pick up both guys. But then Arbuckle looks for his side adjustment on that play. There should be a guy open, except they drop the defensive lineman right into that into that gap, blocking uh, Arbuckle's uh, hot read so there was there was nothing to be done in that play so he tried to buy a bit more time and then you know extend the play ended up getting tipped and, and picked but that's you know that's the kind of thing that we need to see from the Argos where they do stuff that is it's the right play call at the right time it's through film study and and through you know knowing what's coming they're going to do this we're going to call this perfect play because it just felt like every time the Argos had an opportunity Ham and Hamilton had the the perfect play dialed up and uh, and they, they they made the Argos pay. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. Another area of uh, improvement has got to be penalties. There were just too many big penalties. They have to be more disciplined. And Coach Dinwiddie was really frustrated by that after the game. He said they talked about it all week, how this was going to be a chippy game. You've got to keep your heads. You can't let yourself get out of control. And in the first half, they did exactly that. They ended up with with those four huge back-breaking penalties. And that's something that, that can't happen in the rematch. So hopefully that is pounded into everybody's head all week. I'm sure that will be discussed. Uh, the offensive line also has to be better. And it'll help certainly to get everyone back into their into their spots. It'll help to get Nicastro more guard reps, to have him next to Blake and to have Bladek on the other side all week. Uh, obviously that, that hurt this week, but to have a few days of people in the right positions. Hopefully Blake is okay. I know he got banged up at the end of the game, but you know that will obviously help if they can they can all get reps leading up to uh, the game in their correct spots. And then, like I said before, I want to see more downfield passes. I need to see them open it up just for the threat of being able to go deep. Any other adjustments that you saw, JB? I mean, nothing major. I mean, I think the score is what it is, but... You know, you're looking at that pick six, you're looking at a special teams touchdown. You know, those are just fundamental things that you, you can tighten up on. It didn't feel like like there were major problems to fix, which, you know, which is good. So the Argos lose 32-19 to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but don't worry, you only need to feel lousy for a few days and uh, the Argos have a chance to rectify the situation on Friday at BMO Field. If you haven't had a chance to do so, please rate, review, help other Argos fans find our podcast. And don't forget to go to xsandargos.com where you can find all of the latest stuff, including JB's report card for the game. I've got an article and a film piece coming out later in the week before we get to our preview of this next game. I'll have Marshall Ferguson back on to talk about this past game and some changes that might be made for this week. And of course, Jay and I will be, JB and I will be back at the end of the week to uh, set you up for part two of Hamilton versus Toronto. That'll just about do it for us. For JB, my name is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Go Toronto Argos, go, go, go. Pull together, fight the foe, foe.